from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And uh, we're going to be reading this in the ESV. And uh, so if you want to look this up, uh, if, if you have a Bible or uh, a Bible app, again, it's John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Right. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, uh, we are going into a new sermon series for the summer. It's called Happier. And, well, friends, I mean, who wouldn't want to be happier, right? Isn't that so much what we seek out in life? And, you know, we're going to kind of point out uh, this, this kind of paradox that this, it is this thing that we are all seeking. But I wonder, are we actually becoming happier? And so this was in uh, the Los Angeles Times a couple of years ago. So just want to be clear, this was before COVID in case, uh, you know, we, we kind of idealize that time sometimes. And maybe some of us are like, well, of course, we're not happy now because of COVID. But, you know, a couple years ago, uh, th- there was this study that said American, Americans are becoming less happy and there's research to prove it. So it's kind of interesting because they were comparing like eras. And so, you know, unless you think, well, okay, in recent years, maybe there's a little bit of a dip in the quality of life or whatever, you know, with just different things going on in this world. And it's, it's really not that because over like 50, 60 years still, it seems that people report being less happy. And we, we definitely have more stuff. We have more technology. We have more money, right? Uh, in general, like, like I, I know that's not true of everyone, but across the board, Americans are more well-off. And I would argue also that this is such a big point of emphasis for Americans, right? Isn't it like, like in the Constitution, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So many people, right? This is what it's about. We want to know how can we become happier? Now, there, there is this little uh, subtext here. It's really hard to read. It's really small. Um, but it's, it says under that picture, it says the average American is pretty happy, according to new data on happiness from the General Social Survey. And so when you ask people, I mean, it's kind of silly. They're like, you know, how would you rate yourself on, on three, a scale of three? Like, are you not happy, kind of happy, or very happy? Or, or like, you know, something like that. And it's like, well, you only give them three choices. And so most people aren't like super, super unhappy, and most people aren't super ecstatic. So most people just give the middle answer, right? And that's what they find, that it's like a 2.18 that most people give, you know? But even that number, as subjective as it is, it seems to be going down over time. What's going on, friends, right? And, and so, you know, even if most people think of themselves as kind of happy, isn't it something where we always want to know how can we become happier, right? This message isn't happy because, you know, that's just so subjective. And we're going to talk a little bit about what happiness is so that we can understand it. And it's going to help us to understand the problem. But I think for many of us, we do want to know how to become happier. And this is the happiness paradox 
um, if we can go to the next slide. The happiness paradox is that we may think that certain things will make us happy, right? We predict, if I get this, if I get X, I will get Y, right? If I get X, I will get happiness. If I get a new job, I will be happier. If I get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or if I get married, or if I have kids, I'm going to be happier. If I get um, a, a nice gourmet meal, if I eat lobster, I hear, hear lobster, the price is going up, and it probably makes people want lobster even more. If I can get some lobster, I'm going to be happier. If I can get a donut, I'm going to be happier. If we can go back to in-person worship, I'm going to be happier, right? All of these things that we seek, that, that we predict will make us happier, they often don't, at least not in the long run, right? And so it's this kind of elusive thing. That's why I have a, 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 a gif, gif of a boy chasing a butterfly, right? It's that we're chasing these things, but they seem to be kind of elusive, right? And so, friends, I wonder if there is a, a, a reason for this. And I think there is. I think in Scripture, it, 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 it will reveal a little bit why, why it is that so many times we're such lousy, uh, uh, like we're really bad at predicting what will actually make you happy. And, and so, um, yeah, let's take a look at John 15, 1 through 5. This is a scripture that maybe you've heard in a different context. I do want us to think of it in terms of happiness, but I am going to try to clarify why that is. So let's take a look. So um, just by the way, the word happy as we normally think of it, doesn't really occur in scripture. Um, the, the, the word makarios, which often means blessed, like, like uh, we're, we're going to talk about uh, probably next week, uh, the Beatitudes, which makarios, blessed are you, who blah, 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 right? And so they use the word blessed. And it's this idea of this overall prosperity. And so what we are trying to help you to see is that we're not just talking about happy as an emotion that you feel in, in a, any given moment, but there's an overall sense of flourishing, and that's what this passage is about. Jesus is talking here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So we're talking here about a flourishing life, right, about, about a blessed life. And, and so we will use the word happy as a stand-in for that, right? But I think what we really want is we want to know what is the blessed life. What is a prospering life, right? And Jesus very clearly says that if, you, if we are branches, right, if that's us, then when you're bearing fruit, that is a blessed life, right? So whatever that is, whatever the fruit is, I mean, it's something good, something juicy and sweet and life-giving, right? And we want our lives to be fruit-producing, right? To be not productive necessarily in this very utilitarian way, right? But he didn't say vegetables, you know? He's talking about fruit. Fruit tastes good, right? Fruit is a treat. They didn't have candy back then. Fruit was the candy of the ancient world, right? It's a treat. And that we are this life-giving, I mean, you know, fruit is good for you. It tastes good. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, right? But if you want your life to produce that kind of blessing, that kind of good stuff, right, then we must be connected to the vine, to the source of life in order to bear 
life. And he says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. We're going to be talking about the word and the importance of that. But it seems to be important, right? I'm speaking this word into you. It's making you clean. Clean. It says, abide in me and I in you. Other translations say, remain in me. In other words, stay here. Abide means to stay, to live, to dwell. Dwell with me. Dwell in me. And I and you, if we are connected to each other, if we're in this close proximity with each other, then it says, as the bear cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. It just makes sense, right? That branch is not going to bear fruit on its own. It must be connected to the source of life. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So friends, check it out. It is saying that if you want the abundant life, you must be connected to a source, to an energy source, right? And so friends, I think you're going to start to see why it is that many of us are not happy with the, the kind of modern solutions that we've come up with or with sort of conventional wisdom, right? So conventional wisdom kind of goes like this. If you want to be happy, you need to eat fruit, right? You, you, you need to experience fun things, happy things, right? And if you experience those things, they will make you happy. But notice what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you are a branch and you detach yourself from the vine, from the source of your life, right? It's, the, the vine is giving you nutrients. The vine is enabling you to bear the fruit, right? But this is actually what we do in life, is that we go out searching for fruit. We think that if we eat fruit, then we will be happy. But there's a problem with that. So friends, remember, we talked about this, this idea of the happiness paradox, and, and this idea of, of trying to get these experiences. So I used a, a little boy with a, a, a butterfly net because, I mean, it's elusive. Have you ever tried to catch a butterfly in a net? I think I probably did when I was a kid. I don't think I ever did it, you know? It just sounded like a fun thing, right? And it's elusive. It, it, it's kind of difficult, right? And so maybe we think, it, we're, 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 we're tricked into thinking, well, the problem with, with, with my strategy of trying to seek out things that, that are going to make me happy is I just haven't gotten it yet, right? Th- this is just the trick, is that like, like, like life, society dangles this carrot, you know? And so you go to school, and you get good grades, and then you graduate, and it's like, okay, well, you're not happy yet because, you know, you only finished high school. Now you got to finish college. And then, okay, you finish college... Or, or you got to get into college, and then you get into college, you're like, okay, but you got to finish college. you got to do well in college. Then you do well in college, and then it's like, okay, well, now you need a job, right? And then you go get a job, and, and then you're like, okay, now what? Right? I, I'm not really all that happy, you know, I, I thought I was going to be happier. And then it's like, well, now you need a family. Now you need to get married. Now you need to have kids. Now you need to have a retirement. Now you need to have this and that and whatever, and just the carrot keeps moving, And it feels like the little boy trying to get the butterfly. But every once in a while, maybe the little boy catches the butterfly. And so this is my question. I I just want to take this literally. What happens if little Steve with a little butterfly net ever caught the butterfly? Yay! Woo! I caught a butterfly. It's so pretty. Look, it's fluttering there. 
Now what? What do I do with it? Do you, do you know what they do when they catch butterflies? They kill them. Did you know that? You take the butterfly and you, you, you kill it and you, you take a pin and you put it on a board. <laughs> Why? Why? Because seriously, if you ever caught the butterfly, what are you going to do with it now? Oh, I caught it. Oh, it's pretty. It's, it's fluttering, but it's not free. And the moment that I let go of the butterfly, I'm not going to have the butterfly anymore. I'm not going to be able to enjoy it. So what do we try to do? We try to keep that experience forever. We put a pin in it. And we let the butterfly dry out. It loses all life. And we're like, see, I got the butterfly now. But it's dead. It's dead. It doesn't last forever. This is the problem with our approach to happiness. Everything you seek, and the moment that you get it, it has an expiration date. It doesn't last forever. You get it, and it's, it's really exciting like the butterfly, right? But two things are going to happen. Either it's going to flitter away, and experience won't be there anymore, right? Or you try to keep it, and it will wither and die. Just like the branch that is detached from the vine, right? It's going to seek out these things, right? It's like, hey, I'm trying to get happy. I'm trying to bear fruit. I'm trying to get these sweet things. But because you are detached from the source of life, you're going to wither. That's the way it works. Like, literally think about, uh, so, so uh, yeah, actually, I want to read this quote from Aristotle that talks about this. One swallow does not make a summer, neither does one fine day. Similarly, one day or brief of time of happiness does not make a person entirely happy. Right? So we seek these experiences. We seek the butterfly. We seek the fruit. We seek these sweet things, and we enjoy it for the time being. But it will not make you entirely happy because it can't, because of that expiration date. Can we go to the next slide? So just in the idea of fruit, right? Fruit is going to rot over time. And so this is the problem with the, 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 uh, what we call, what I've been calling the happiness paradox. Our approach to happiness is that we often confuse happiness with pleasure, right? So many of us, what we're really chasing is pleasure. And you get it. Every once in a while, you catch the butterfly, right? Every once in a while, you find that fruit. You're like, oh, it's so good. And and you enjoy it, and then it's gone. Now what? Well, you need more, right? It doesn't last forever. It's very fleeting, just like Aristotle said. Having one happy experience does not a happy person make, right? And the happiness in and of itself, when you try to hoard it, this is what a lot of people do. They're like, okay, Pastor Steve, you're right. Happiness doesn't last, so, or, or pleasure doesn't last, so I get something pleasurable. I have a pleasurable experience, and then I want more. And so many people, this is how they live their lives. They're like, okay, Pastor Steve, you're absolutely right, but see, the problem is, is that I just need to keep getting more pleasure, right? And so, we get another happy experience, or another happy experience, or another happy experience. You ever watch a TV show, and it was so good, and you're enjoying yourself? You're like, oh, this is so good. One more episode. And you watch another episode, you're like, oh, shoot, it's Netflix. I can binge five seasons tonight. Right? And, and it starts out really fun. 
what happens in episode 24 or episode 47 or episode 97? You still having fun? Now, some of us, we, we have rose-colored glasses, but seriously, the next time you binge something, just pay attention. Just pay attention to how that's making you feel after a while. Uh, scientists say, uh, you know, people much smarter than me, they've researched pleasure. They say that for most pleasurable experiences, there is a half-life or there is an expiration date on it. And you know what it is? For, for optimal pleasure, about 30 minutes. That's it. So, so you're watching that show, 30 minutes, having a lot of fun. Right? Have you noticed that most shows, American shows, they're either like 22 minutes, right, sitcoms with commercials, or they're like 40 four minutes, right? Just a little bit over that 30 minutes. They know. They know. That's the expiration date, right? You're going to be enjoying yourself. But beyond 30 minutes, the pleasure starts to go down a little bit, right? And, and yeah, you can convince yourself this is better than nothing. But all pleasure, you know, after a while, it's like eating candy. You eat candy, you're like, oh, this is so sweet. This is so good. You know, but you can't just eat candy. What happens? You get a stomachache. You feel sick. Um, it's a little bit of a, an aside, but I was watching this Korean drama where <laughs> there's a, a, the villain. The main villain um, only eats candy. Like, 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 I think you're supposed to think that, like, like, he didn't really have, like, a normal childhood, so he's trying to, like, relive his childhood. So he's always eating, like, gummy bears and just, like, like, like always eating sweets and cookies and all this stuff, and it's like... I don't know. Maybe the, 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 the unsubtle message is people who only eat candy are supervillains. You know? <laughs> you can't do that. It, it, it just, like, like, for one, I mean, there's no nutritional value. Yeah, it, it feels good for the moment, but you will, like, the experience is going to start to rot, and you also will start to rot. <laughs> Your body's going to start to rot. Your teeth are going to start to rot. And that's what happens with any pleasure. Seriously, friends. I mean, just keep your eyes wide open the next time it happens. Right? The next time you're experiencing something pleasurable and you can't stop and you're like, I want more, I want more, I want more. Well, do it. But don't kid yourself. Keep your eyes wide open. When that experience starts to rot, don't think it's because, well, I just didn't find the right experience. It's a lie. It's, it's that carrot that just keeps d- dangling. Oh, well, if I found an even better video game to play, then I wouldn't get bored after a while. If I found an even better show, if, if I found an even better relationship, if I found an even better job, friends, all this is is us getting fruit, and the fruit is sweet for a while, but just like all things, the fruit will rot. I have never seen fruit that lasts forever. Have you? No, you, you, you get a piece of fruit, no matter how good it is, right? You can get the best fruit. You can scour the whole grocery store and say, well, this fruit is better than this one. I found, I don't, I don't know, what's the best fruit to you? What's your favorite fruit? You, you guys like Asian pear, pineapple? Huh? Strawberries, yeah. So Angelina says strawberries. Like, okay, you can keep your apples, Pastor Steve, but I got my strawberries. It doesn't matter. They all have an expiration date. They will all rot. Why? Because the moment they detach from the vine, they start to rot. Right? I mean, fruit, it's not a living thing in and of itself. It's dead. Just like the beautiful 
butterfly. You kill it and you nail it to the board and after a while it just starts to dry up and it's going to crumble apart. So friends, instead, what we are trying to do is we are trying to stay attached to the source of happiness. And, and we're, we're saying that's God. We're saying that that's Christ, right? But maybe you're like, okay, Pastor Steve, that, that's a good message and all, but I don't really believe you. <laughs> okay, so for one, I, I want to sort of clarify, what is happiness? Is it just pleasure? And so then is the pursuit of happiness just fleeting because pleasure is fleeting? Pleasure can't last? Well, what, what, what social researchers have found, Martin Seligman, who is one of the fathers of positive psychology, he says that there are different elements of happiness. And one of the problems that we have with our approach to happiness is we only define it by pleasure. But there are other things in it. So yeah, definitely positive emotion, right, that you might think of as pleasurable things, um, but also engagement. Have you ever done something and just gotten lost in it, right? And maybe it's like this alignment of something like, like where you're, you're playing a sport and, and, and your body is moving in a certain way where it's like, man, I was made to run. I was made to do this. And just you're in this flow. You're in the moment. You're in the zone. Or you're, you're like painting or something. You just get lost in that painting, that sense of engagement, that engrossment. Right? We may not, it might be pleasurable in some way, but I don't think we necessarily think of those things as just straight pleasure, just getting the apple and just, oh, right? But there's something, your life is lining up with something, right? There is an alignment of you, you, you found the sweet spot in your life, and it's good, right? And, and so that can lead to happiness. Another thing is relationships, um, positive relationships, uh, for sure. I mean, it, we're going to have to have a whole sermon on that. But suffice it to say that I think we've all learned during COVID, we need positive relationships, even for us extreme introverts, right? It's just the way that we're built. And it's really hard to be happy without those things. Um, and, and many of the things that we seek out that we think are going to make us happy, you find that they're way more enjoyable when you do it with other people, right? Meaning, uh, for many of us, just doing, eating empty calories, having experiences that are only pleasurable but have no meaning, it, it, it is like candy. It, it is like those things that are just sweet for a moment and then they're gone and they're not filling. Meaning is like the nutrients, right? When you are doing something meaningful, there is something in your soul that comes awake. There's something that your soul needs. You are built for this. You were designed to be connected to something meaningful. And so for many of us, friends, it doesn't matter how enjoyable it is. It doesn't matter how pleasurable it is. It won't last in your life unless it connects to a greater meaning. And then the last one is achievement, this sense of, you know, it's not not necessarily achieving things externally because those things fade too, the kudos from other people, but sometimes it can just be that sense of achievement of like, you know, you're connected to a sense of meaning and you're like, yeah, this is it. This is what I was made to do. You, You have an inner sense of achievement you know, of hitting that sweet spot. And so, friends, I want to show you that because I want to show you that happiness is not just made out of pleasure. There is this sense of alignment, aligning to meaning, aligning to something greater, aligning to a sense of, you know, you're connected to other people, right? And so, even if you were to just say, okay, well, Pastor Steve, all that other stuff was good, but 
I just like the positive emotion. I just like the, mm, you know, it's just, just sweet and it feels good and, and I feel good. That's what most of us chase. But Barbara Fredrickson, who is a, 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 a social researcher from North Carolina, she finds that, uh, uh, might be psychology too, but anyways, she finds that um, when we talk about positive emotions, it's not just one thing, right? Like, I'm just happy, right? This is pleasurable. You know, this just feels good, right? But she talks about 10 different positive emotions. Uh, Can we go to the next slide? She talks about joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, love. Do you see? Happiness is not just made out of pleasure, One of the things in here, I mean, we're going to, again, we're going to have to devote a whole sermon to it, but one is gratitude, right? It's the first, like, like one of the first ones on the list, you know? And friends, just think about that for a moment. I know that gratitude, we can think of it coming from the good experiences you have. You get the apple, you're like, mmm, yummy, 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 that's good, right? And, and... Because you had something good, it makes you grateful. But friends, seriously, we live in the wealthiest, most prosperous uh, 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 country. And, and I got to say, I don't think we're the most grateful society. Just because you have something good in your life does not automatically make you grateful. Right? I mean, seriously, just think about like, how much food, how many things we waste, or, or we, 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 we eat it and we don't really appreciate just how blessed we are. How many experiences you have? How many of you who, like, I don't know, you're blessed to to be in an excellent school, an excellent high school, an excellent college or graduate school, and all you ever do about it is you complain, (laughs) right? It's too much work, you know? Oh, it's, it's, uh, my teacher's so boring and whatever. It's like, you're getting one of the best educations in the world, right? Like any school in America, they're excellent. We are so blessed, Right? Just think of Malala, right? who wasn't able to even go to school, and just what a blessing it is to even step foot in a school. We're not grateful. right? And this is the thing. What is gratitude? But it is an internal state of learning to appreciate what you already have. And so this is the thing. You can be grateful for very little. But what is making you happy? Is it the thing itself? Or is it the state of being grateful? I think it's the state of being grateful. So you could have a lobster dinner, right? In a Michelin five-star restaurant. And, and you know, it's like the best meal ever. And you're ungrateful. <laughs> they overcooked the claw. Right? Oh, I've had better. This is Michelin five-star. Well, last week I went to a... Right, you could be completely ungrateful for that experience. Or you could just have a granola bar, right? You you could just have a donut that Angelina brought today. You you could just have that and just be like, oh, man, I'm so grateful. Mm, So good. What's making you happy is not the donut. It's not the lobster. It's the gratitude. Learning to become a grateful person, right? In other words, 
happiness comes from learning to be a happy person. <laughs> it is an internal state within you. Look at that list again, friends. Joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, love. These are not external things. These are internal realities. These are not things that you plucked from a tree. You don't get a new video game or a PlayStation 5 or get a, a, a BMW or get a, a, a beautiful mansion or go to the beaches on Maui and then all of a sudden you're flooded with all of these things. That's not how it works. Yes, there are some things that might be conducive to it. And yes, you might be able to appreciate, like some of these things will bring it out of you. But this is what I find, is that happy people are happy because they're happy people. There is something within them that they have cultivated, right? And friends, you know, a a lot of it, it is about alignment. Where did you learn this? Are you just naturally a happy person? I think we believe in this myth. I don't know, maybe. Sometimes kids just seem naturally happy. But kids for a very long time were not independent beings. They had an umbilical cord. And they were connected to their mom. They were connected to a greater life source. And maybe they were born into this world with joy and gratitude and serenity and interest to hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, and love. But the longer that they are detached from the life source the more those things fade. And the more that the the, the natural effervescence of life, the natural happiness, that starts to fade too. Don't we see that with kids? Start getting a little jaded. Start getting cynical. Right? You start experiencing these things in life and you're like, okay, well, I'm just not happy. What do I need? And many of us, all we do is we reach for a pleasure some kind of pleasure, another form of pleasure. But all of these things, they have an expiration date, and they are ultimately, I mean, don't get me wrong, they can be good, but they're dead things. Just like fruit. Fruit is a dead thing. It's not living, right? So that, too, will fade. All of the great experiences you will ever have will fade, right? Unless you learn to connect to this greater life source that can then give you, infuse you with joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, and love. And what we believe as Christ followers is that life source is Christ himself, right? We we looked at this a moment ago, but I want you to look at it again with fresh eyes, the scripture. Abide in me, remain in me, be connected to me, and I will be connected to you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we are connected to Christ, this greater life source, this is the source of what? what are, so, so I know, you know, Barbara Fredrickson, secular researcher, she came up with this whole list of things. It's actually really, really similar. I didn't do like an exact study, like word for word, but pretty much what you saw on that list, it's in the Bible. You know what it's called? The fruits 
of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? The fruit of the Spirit. How do you get the fruit of the Spirit? By being connected to Spirit. Being connected to the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Being able to abide in that. Wade in those waters, right? Being washed in the Spirit every day and just boop, joy, peace, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I miss love. That's like the most important. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It just starts to come out of you as you are connected to Christ, right? And not just Christ, but what? His word, right? And and just getting the word into you. And and, and I want to show you this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Let's go to the next slide. It says, seek God, not happiness. I mean, Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew that so many of us were seeking happiness, not God. But he says, seek God, not happiness. This is the fundamental rule of all meditation. If you seek God alone, you will gain happiness. That is its promise. So many of us, we are seeking the apple. We are seeking the fruit. We're not seeking the vine. We're not seeking the tree, right? And that's a mistake. You know, you seek the fruit, you'll be happy for a day. Well, really, like 30 minutes, you know? And then it's gone, or it starts to fade very, very rapidly. And then you need more. But if you learn to be connected to the source of all life, we get more love, we get more joy, we get more peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We get a thriving life. That is the promise. And what, what Dietrich Bonhoeffer is talking about here, the context, he's actually, he's actually talking about meditating on Scripture. This might seem kind of funny to you. You're like, okay, Pastor Steve, I get the concept of you know, remaining in Christ, but how do we do that? And Dietrich Bonhoeffer says something very similar to what Jesus says. And what it says actually in Psalm 1. Let's look at Psalm 1. This is very, very similar. So similar to what we just talked about. Again, it talks about blessed, happy, right? Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, by the way, friends, all those people out there in the world, they're not doing it because they want to be unhappy. They're doing it because they think it's going to make them happy, right? Like, like this idea of wickedness, evil. I know we look at those things and we're like, who would want that? We're Christians. We're not supposed to do that. But think about people in the world, right? We're like, oh, you know, sin, it's fun. You go to Las Vegas, it's so much fun. It's sin city, right? It's just pleasure city, right? Like, that's really what it is, friends. It's not a happiness city. It's pleasure city. And that pleasure fades. Yeah, sin, I mean, friends, come on. <laughs> Let, let's be real here. Sin can be, like, pleasurable, but it's not going to make you ultimately happy, right? So blessed is the one who doesn't walk in this way, in the, in the counsel of the wicked, you know, it goes to the world and, hey, how can I have the most fun in this world, right? They're going to give you bad advice. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. 
The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Does this sound like punishment, or does this just sound like, like reality, the way it is? Why do the wicked dry up and just blow away? They do because they are not connected to the life source, right? That the vine doesn't shrivel up because God is mad at the vine, or the, the branch, excuse me. The branch withers because it's not connected to the life source. You get the fruit and it's good, but the fruit goes away unless you're connected to the life source that continues to give you fresh fruit. Every day you have fresh gratitude. Every day fresh love. Every day this perspective. You start to change from the inside out. Happiness is not externally created, but it's something that starts from within. Right? Now, friends, I I just want to be clear. It doesn't mean that Christians can't enjoy stuff. Yeah, you can have your candy every once in a while. You can go out and, and, you know, get some of the apples out there. But don't kid yourself. That's not life. It's not the source of all life. It's not sustainable. When a Christian goes and enjoys a good meal or has a fun experience, plays a game or watches a show, I think we are supposed to understand that that has an expiration date. You're not counting on it for all of your happiness anymore, right? It's like a cherry on top. It's a bonus. You can enjoy it for what it is. 30 minutes of pleasure, great. But that's not life. And you shouldn't prioritize your life on chasing pleasure anymore because you know it's pointless. It's not going to give you the deep soul satisfaction that you can only get from a life connected to God. And, And in Scripture, one of the ways they talk about this life that's connected to God, it's alignment, right? I am connected to you. I am abiding in you, right? By the words that are spoken into you, and later on in John chapter 15, it's going to talk about that the way that we stay connected is by actually doing what Jesus says. So check it out. There is a scripture that says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. So so can you imagine, you keep saying that to yourself. Every morning, maybe you're meditating on that. Instead of looking at your phone and playing, I don't know what games you play, Flappy Bird or whatever. That's not a game, is it? (laughs) Clash of Clans or whatever. And you just get your little burst of 30 minutes of pleasure and that's it and it goes away and it starts to rot but you're meditating on scripture. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Uh, Give thanks in all circumstances. And you're just chewing it on it. That's what meditation is. It's just chewing, it's mumbling, it's repeating. You know, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then you start to abide by that. You're aligning your life to that. Not only are you saying it, not only are you ingesting it into your mind, but you try to live it out. So you're in traffic And your natural tendency is, this isn't fun. This isn't pleasurable. What you might do is seek out pleasure. Listen to a fun song, right? Or, you know, I I don't know, like daydream or whatever. Maybe that's more pleasurable. But you remember the scripture. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God, I praise you. I praise you. You are awesome. You are worthy of praise. You pray, God, just help my attitude, because I know my attitude isn't the best right now, 
But help me to just really know that you're here. And you give thanks. God, thank you that I'm sitting in an automobile. It's amazing, right? God, I thank you that I have a job to drive to this morning, right? And you do these things, and now these things start to become a part of you. You do it enough, you become a more grateful person. You become a more joyful person, right? Any moment. I don't know, maybe your boss is yelling at you. There's somebody who's persecuting you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Lord, I give you praise that I get to learn what it means to be persecuted like your son, Jesus Christ. I get to learn how to forgive. I'm going to pray for this person right now. I'm going to bless them. I thank you, God, that I do have a boss. I thank you that this situation is not permanent. In all circumstances, our lives just start to attune to the way of Christ, right? We can be happy in these circumstances that for most people, because happiness is externally derived, right? This is the way most people live their life. They're in a bad circumstance and they're like, man, I can't wait for vacation. I can't wait till Friday. I can't wait till what? I get something pleasurable. It's not going to last. What will last is if you connect to Christ every day and you learn how to bear fruit in your life by being connected to the vine. Friends, I just want to end. Uh, Can we just go to this picture? This is just uh, this tree that is planted by the waters. And it's... uh, (laughs) I I found this. This is some stock image, but if you can't tell the... The, the soil is actually the Bible. Can you see that? It's, it's like they made it brown, they made it look like soil, but it's actually the Bible, right? And by planting yourself in the Word of God, living by the Word of God, we bear much fruit. Friends, I, I just, maybe the praise team, if you guys can come up, can we just take a moment, and, and you can close your eyes or you can just listen to me talk. And just for a moment, friends, I want to ask you a question. Now, I, I understand how this is going to sound. I, I, I know this doesn't sound like the, the holiest of questions, but I'm going to ask you, are you happy? Are you happy right now? Could you be happier? Friends, you know, maybe just take a moment. You know, there's no blame here. There's no guilt. There's no shame. But maybe just a moment if we can acknowledge, how have we been going about trying to be happy? Like, seriously, we're just friends here, you know? I can't read your thoughts. I'm not going to shame you, make you feel bad. But just be honest with yourself. We have these two options. Have you been chasing the fruit or have you been chasing the tree? Have you been chasing the experiences that you think are going to make you have more pleasure and, and, and make you feel better? Are you really trying to plant yourself in the tree of Christ? Listening to, meditating upon, living by his word that will bear much fruit. Precious God, I confess, Lord, maybe for a lot of us, Lord, we confess that we have been chasing the fruit, not the tree. And God, what we want from you is is all of you. Lord, you are worthy of our lives, God. 
We should be serving you. We should be living for you, God. And yet, do you want to give your life to us? And that's an amazing thing. So God, may we take your invitation, God, today, always, every day, to be able to abide in you and then you in us and to know in that we can bear lasting fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.